Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. Welcome to this special recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. In just a minute, you're going to hear myself and my wife and business partner, AJ, do a debrief recap and summary of our most recent interview with our big takeaways. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to let you know that people often ask us, What is the first step to building a personal brand? And if that is you or someone you know, then you have come to the right place because we have put together for you a free video short course to help you get started. Just visit firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get access. In it, we're going to walk you through what exactly is the genesis of a personal brand and the six key questions that every personal brand must be able to answer, but that almost none ever do. So go ahead and visit again, firststep.brandbuildersgroup.com to get started, and we'll see you there. Now on with the recap. Hey, Brand Builder, welcome to the special recap edition of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Connie Podesta (laughs) is a hoot. I said she's a hoot. AJ said that I was a hoot. I'm not sure what that is all about. But I said, isn't Connie a hoot? And AJ said, you're a hoot because she was making fun of me. Why don't you tell them why you were making fun of me? Because Roy starts out this entire interview with this wonderful buildup of Connie. And then she's awesome. Indeed. But then says, well, you know, here's how you know she's really awesome is that I'm willing to refer her to my clients. But here's why that's a big deal. Because my clients have come to be accustomed to a certain level of performance. Because <laughs> I'm that's, awesome. That's alluring to his magical performance. I'm awesome too. That uh, his clients have become accustomed to <laughs> his incredible delivery and content. Now, some of that you added. Some of that you added. I'm not saying. Just listen. I'm not saying I didn't think that that was true, but <laughs> I didn't say that. I'm not necessarily saying it now either. Well, I am. I'm awesome. And Connie is. Well, I do too. I just think it was hilarious that as you're introducing someone else, you're like, well, you know, they're awesome because I'm awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's basically. Right. I'm also extremely humble, um, <laughs> as is Connie. But here's what I love about there's so many things I love about Connie. I talked about it in the interview, but. When I think of myself as a speaker and her, I couldn't think of our style, like our being more different. Basically, everything she said denotes Rory as completely unsuccessful. Yeah, I'm like (laughs) the most boring speaker. I'm irrelevant. I'm outdated. Um, Now, she does speak more than I do, so she speaks a ton. It's actually a really good interview. Yeah, and I think, you know, here's the thing that she really inspired me in this interview particular is just this concept of planned spontaneity. Mm. I think I have I have a hard time, you know, like my logical brain is just freaking out with all the stuff she's talking about, about just don't have a plan and like just 
you know, go off the cuff and interview everybody. And I'm like, what are you insane? But really, I actually think it's brilliant. What she's actually doing is she has set up like a giant choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. And she knows where all the paths are going to lead, but it appears to the audience. And it is, I mean, it's very engaging and spontaneous, but she's not up there just winging it with no plan. It's what comedians call planned spontaneity. It's allowing for the appearance of spontaneity and it is spontaneous, but it's sort of like there's this plan that you have prepared. But for. also, I think one of the things that you'll learn if you go listen to the full episode is that she is not relying on some huge adventurous story that she had, right? And you guys talk a lot about this. And one of the things that I really loved in the beginning of this interview is that you both called attention to that both of you don't necessarily have that incredible story oh, yeah. in terms of the framework of how you teach, right? You didn't climb Mount Everest. You didn't lay right. the plane like on the Like neither Hudson. of us are actually that exceptional. <laughs> you didn't chew off your arm. Like you didn't do these things. Right. Yeah. And so I think what I really loved is that both of you are great examples of truly successful speakers without these truly unique stories. Now, of course you have unique stories, but it's not the basis of your entire bookability as a speaker. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really inspiring for everyone out there, including myself, is that you don't have to go climb the seven top peaks in the world to be a incredibly successful speaker with high fees and booked calendars. And I loved that what Connie talked about in the very beginning is she said that her sales pitch, which I think this is also really good. She also talks to all the people herself. Yeah, cool. That's not what I was going to say. Yeah, my but turn. that. My turn. Whoa, my whoa. Turn. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. She says maintain control of the mic so that if they ever talk, you take the mic back. I'm just listening to her advice. Okay. <laughs> but I think it's really good because she said when I'm talking to meeting planners or whoever is booking the speaker, I go, well, do you want your entire meeting to be about the speaker or to be about your audience? Boom. Because I don't make it about me. Mm. I make it about you and I make it about them. And it's like, all right, let's, you know, turn the switch. Yeah. Right. I think that's really amazing in terms of like just a, a quick change of perspective, how so many people think, well, what's my story? What's my uniqueness? And she goes, who cares about you? Nobody cares about your story. Right. It's what about the audience? Yeah. What I'm about. And I would say her and I are very aligned on that yeah. point, which was kind of my second big takeaway. It's interesting because it's like we're very different from most, not most speakers, from a lot of speakers and that we don't have like this amazing life story. But then Even we're very, I think you do. oh, thank you, sweetheart. But then we're very different in our delivery style and our preparation method. Totally. But then we're also very aligned philosophically on making the audience the hero. And mm -hmm. she said, you know, the goal is not to make yourself look good. The goal is to make the audience look good and feel good and feel inspired. And I, I couldn't echo that more. And I think that that is inherently one of the biggest things that speakers struggle with. And one of the things that, that personal brands struggle with, I know, because this was also me, there's a level of ego that is involved. Mm -hmm. And when you start, it's like, it's all about you. And I, you got to sort of get past that. In fact, it applies this last week, I was doing a thing for Lewis Howes for his inner circle members. And we were doing like a copywriting training for them. And I, I said this thing that I'd never really said, and people really latched onto it, which is that copywriting is not about telling people what you do. It's about telling people what you can do for them. And that's the same shift as a speaker. It's like, it's not about you or what you've done. It's about what you've learned and how that can help them. And especially if you don't have some incredibly compelling personal story 
you got to make it all about the audience and it's just, you got to be there in service. And so we share that perspective. Yeah. And the second, hold on, I'm not done yet. It's still my turn. Okay. 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 Now (laughs) pass off is complete. Well, I think the second thing that really hit me is that she talks about how she doesn't rely on the story and she really wings it. And it's like, yeah, I mean, kind of she does, but kind of she doesn't really. And I think what she really relies on, which should give confidence to everyone who is listening to this episode is that what she really is relying on is her expertise and her knowledge. Mm. And that is what you got to own. It's like the reason she feels comfortable winging it is because she has an idea of exactly what they're going to say. Because she's done this enough times and she's seen this enough times to know there's only one or two or three outcomes from this question. So I know exactly how it's going to go. So it's that scripted, non-scripted approach in terms of like if you've done something enough and you've done enough research and you have enough personal results and experiences you know kind of where it's going, yeah. which allows you to be up on stage feeling like you're winging it, which in turn is really just relying on the years and years of your personal experience and your personal results, which is why that's so important from the beginning. That's what we talk about in the foundation of building your personal brand and our phase one, finding your brand DNA is what do you have to hang your hat on? What do you have research in? What do you have results in? Where's your experience? Where's your expertise in your designated lane? And that's what she's saying. She talks about how she doesn't really have a plan. And to some degree, it's because she doesn't need one because she has all this years, years and years of experience. Yeah, that's good. First-hand experience to know exactly how this is going to play out. Yeah. There's no question. She knows where it's going to go. And that allows for this feeling of on the fly, even though it's pretty expected. You know, as you were talking, it was making me think about how, you know, if you watch a, one of the late night shows, you know, Jimmy Fallon or whatever, Jimmy, you know, whatever the Jimmy late night Fallon. show, the Jimmy Fallon one. is the, the best one. one, but there is the comedians that'll come on there and they're so funny, so funny, so funny. And you go, gosh, they're so funny. They're coming up with jokes on the spot. And it's like, no, they have been on stage so many times. They have all these little bits and pieces and they're just, as the interviewer asks them a question, they pull on something that they've done before and they weave together this kind of beautiful, seemingly spontaneous thing, but it's actually very well rehearsed. So anyways, the last one for me, the last kind of point, which I think was sort of the obvious point of what she was talking about was asking myself, how can I create more interaction with the audience? It's not, do I do interaction or not? Like for me, I'm a slides guy. I'm not going to be abandoning all my slides and signature stories. Like I'm just not going to do it. But I also, it was so compelling to say, okay, how could I create more interaction? And then even deeper than that, like I don't think that her point was so much, hey, you should do interaction. I think what she was saying is she's like, that's who she is. And she allowed herself to be who she is, an actress and a teacher and on the fly. And she is funny. And so she said, I'm willing to leave the slides behind so that I can be who I am. So I think there's that really important permission and principle and power to say, be who you are. And then, you know, at the same time, like I'm a slides guy, I'm a logic guy, I'm like efficient. I'm going, hey, how many points? That is who you are. That's who I am. And I'm also going, what could I take away from this to make it more fun, even though I'll probably never be the guy up there with no plan and no slides? <laughs> Which is fine because that's being who you are. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. who I am. But I think some people listening, like you might be listening going, gosh, I didn't even know you could do this and not have slides. And that's so empowering, right? Because slides are a free and pain. Exactly. They, also, so much they also create technical challenges and glitches and things that do happen. Mm-hmm. But all of us going, 
what can we do that's more fun? And how do we also not rely on slides and the plan, but go, let's rely, like what you were saying, on the depth of our expertise. Let's sit in the comfort of what we really know, not just the mechanics of a manufactured and rehearsed presentation to where it's the same rote thing over and over again. Yeah. And that's kind of similar to my third and final point. And I really love the example that she gave when she talked about how her desire and her need for having audience interaction really came from her years as a teacher Mm -hmm. and a counselor. And it just hit me in the moment of like, yeah, imagine just for a second that you were a high school teacher for behaviorally challenged inner city kids in Chicago. Man. Just for a second, pretend that's your audience. Imagine how a slide deck would go. (laughs) Imagine how a 60-minute lecture would go. And the point is it wouldn't. And so she said, from that experience, I realized the depth and importance that came from audience interaction because I was in front of an audience every single day for years and years of people who didn't want to be there. And let's just be honest, many of your audiences didn't select to be there. Yeah. They were told to be there. They were mandated to be Depending, there. Depending, I mean, if you're in the corporate, for sure. I mean, if you're more entrepreneur, well, it's a I little just, bit different. Some of but them. Yeah. Some of them, right? At some point, you're going to have someone in your audience who was like, Man, For sure. <laughs> how long can I check Facebook before someone notices? All right, that's just a little bit of reality. And I think what's interesting is she said, that's where I'm going to start. As if I didn't have an engaged audience as if I had an audience who wasn't going to pay attention. And how can I change that to enforce that they are paying attention and they are engaged and they do leave with something? And I I just love that approach. And that doesn't mean your whole thing has to be around interaction, but it's more positioning yourself. It's not around just your information. It's how do you get your information in a cross Mm. in a way that people will actually use it? Bingo. And it's for me, it's like I tell Rory this all the time. I'm not an audio learner. I have to see it and do it in order to learn it. And I have, I would say, a borderline photographic memory. Yeah. And it's like, but if I don't see it, I don't do well. So I was actually one of those kids that I never really went to class in high school or college, actually. Little known fact. <laughs> Let's have an honest um, confession here. But it's because... How did you become the CEO of Brand Builders Group? Tell us, what makes you qualified, AJ Vaden? For sure not did- <laughs> college, that's for sure. But the point is, is I didn't learn anything from the lectures. If I heard it audio, it just was like, there's like too many things going on in my brain. So instead of going to class, I knew that if I just read this and did this, like that's how I learned. I realized that very early on. It's like I went at a pace faster than my classes, Mm. right? And I learned that and then I got really bored and for sure wasn't paying attention. So I think it's like, you've got to just say, it's like, all right, there's all these different learning types out there, right? There are visual learners, there's audio learners, there's application learners, there's tactical learners. What am I doing to appeal to all of them? Because if you are just a stand and deliver speaker, then you're missing at least a third, if not a fourth of your audience, just by the simple way you deliver it, regardless of how good your content is. And I think that's what I really took away from Connie, was how do you engage people so they don't just see slides, they actually learn the information enough to actually do something with it. Love that. That's so good. So good. So another great interview, definitely worth a listen and one of the best keynoters on stage really in the world from a mechanics point of view. So go listen to Connie Podesta, hear what she's got to say. It's exciting and it's a hoot. Let's just say, <laughs> say that. So word of the day. Well, that's a hoot. Word of the day. Have a hoot yourself and we'll catch you next time on the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. 
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation. 